Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Welcome back to another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. My name is Derek Diamond. And we are joined once again by show favorite, retro gaming dev himself, Nate. What's up, Nate? Hey, thanks for having me again. I'm, I'm happy to be here. So, so we're going to um, do something a little different tonight. The reason we have Nate on tonight is because once a month now, um, as we talked about on Patreon, we're going to do a roundtable. Uh, at least once a month or every month or two, and um, spot who who better to talk about Metroid than to have the uh, retro gaming dev himself join us here on the show. Well, I am honored. Thank you. <laughs> so, what about you, Derek? <laughs> how how has your week been, my friend? It's been good. It's uh, had a, had a nice lazy weekend, which was nice, uh, much much needed, and then uh, spending when I'm not at work, been spending time gearing up for. Uh, episode 300 of the Derek Diamond Experience, which will air in uh, early March. Is that I feel what you like an old man tonight? of podcasting. Is that what you were no. recording tonight? Uh, okay. <laughs> no, the, the one I recorded tonight is going to air in like three weeks. Ah, uh, okay. No, still, still um, haven't, haven't recorded episode 300 as far as the interview portion goes. But yeah. um, oh, 300, you got like a bottle of champagne ready to... Yeah. I should do that at the end of the show, just (laughs) blackout drunk. (laughs) You know what sucks? I'm sitting here watching you guys with like your nice big headphones on, and I feel so naked. (laughs) I just got keep my ears warm. (laughs) I got my uh, I got an email yesterday from uh, from Skull Candy saying that I I got approved and they already shipped my replacements back. So I was hoping they would be here by tonight, but. Apparently they'll be, they'll probably be here tomorrow. So by next week I will have no longer have naked ears on the show. <laughs> well, it's true. Whenever you get used to wearing these, when if you go back to earbuds, it just feels weird. You just feels like you got stuff just jammed in yeah. your ears and you can't hear anything. And they're so echoey. Like it, I, I'm not used to it. I had to get used to the echo again using these. Mm-hmm. Weird. Yeah. So what about you, Nate? How uh, how have you been lately? What you been up to? You know, I've been doing all right. Uh, you know, just living my best pandemic life, trying to, you know, keep going. I'm I'm developing a, a retro inspired game, so I'm trying to keep that project moving along with just kind of, you know, regular life stuff going on and um, you know, just hanging out on Twitter, chatting with people about video games, doing doing that thing, you know, just kinda keeping that on. If anyone wants to check me out uh, on Twitter at retro gaming dev. Um otherwise, you know, just you know, hanging out here at home working from home, all that stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um I I really haven't done too much this past week. I've been trying to get everything ready to uh to get um my Switch and everything ready to start um streaming my Switch on Twitch here and uh got my got a big TV set up over here and got all my cables mm-hmm. that I need, so Hopefully by Sunday I'll be I'll be fully ready to go with my new setup. So I'm excited about that, and I get to use my new ret, uh, 8-bit dough controller that I got last mm. week. So nice, it's so nice. Very nice. It's like very nice. Yeah, I want to pick one of those up. And, yeah, uh, you have to let me know how it goes. It's pretty nice. I played Castlevania for a little bit. The only the only problem I have with it so far is it's got the two shoulder. It's basically it's shaped like the original uh, Super Nintendo controller. But it, instead of just the two shoulder buttons, it's got four. Oof. And there's one right at the edge right here where you hold it. And if you breathe on it, it's so sensitive. It, mm. It'll bring up a different menu. So I'm like, I got to find a way to reroute that button and just make it a dead button somehow. Because that's the only problem I have with it. And, uh, of course, it's got the two analog sticks on it as well. So... It's like a Super Nintendo controller with analog sticks. It's so cool. That's tough to beat. Yeah. It was only like 30 bucks too. I got it on Amazon. So 
I I would I would recommend it like but like I said that's my only problem with it is that one shoulder it's the way it's just the way I hold the controller is my my finger constantly hits it and then brings up little menus and stuff I'm like ah stop it I don't want that <laughs> oh, menu there's nothing better than that Super Nintendo design so that's, oh, yeah. that's my favorite yeah so. Super Nintendo and uh, of course the the GameCube are the two greatest controllers ever made I agree, agree. yep <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but we are going to do a couple of news stories tonight before we go into the roundtable. And if you're expecting us to talk about the whole Game GameStop uh, stock fiasco that happened yesterday, honestly, I don't know enough about stocks to actually talk about it. So uh, we're just gonna let. I'm just gonna wait and see what happens. The only thing I know about it is. A bunch of nerds got together and stuck it to the man, and that's what I like about it. <laughs> <laughs> they should have called it GameStop. It's sort of like it reminds me, like I wrote this on Twitter today, it reminds me of the ending of Trading Places uh, when um, when they, you know, they <laughs> made Mortimer and what's-his-name lose all their money, and then, you know, they're, like, sitting <laughs> on the beach. How you doing? Like... Gordon Lewis, like, and I feel like that's the that's the ending that the redditor guys like like get to have because they just completely bankrupted all these like rich, rich uh, hedge funds that like do all these crazy practices in Wall Street. It's like, hey, beat them at their own game, man. That's that's all's fair in love and war. So and this is kind of. <laughs> I like, like to think they're in the Bahamas right now. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, I wish I would have bought that GameStop stock last week i'm kicking myself right now right because i had no clue this was going to happen i just i just randomly saw it on twitter that, that gamestop was four dollars a share and i was like i eh, just go buy like 20 bucks worth <sighs> damn it next time i'm going with my instincts <laughs> but, but that's all i've seen on twitter on facebook anywhere like i get news i've seen that story dominate the last yeah. couple of days it's been insane <laughs> It's crazy. I don't know. I don't know any of the. I'm not a Wall, Wall Street guy or a stocks guy, so I couldn't tell you the ins or outs of it. But there's definitely a lot going on, and I think uh, Robinhood, the the trading app, is probably in some hot water right now to deal with. Yeah, the, um, actually, I saw... preventing people from selling off their stock and yep. doing some crazy stuff. So just before we jumped on, I was I was looking on Twitter, and they've already got a class action lawsuit against them filed as of this <laughs> afternoon. Because not surprising. Like, oh. Yeah, not surprising at all. <laughs> yeah, you don't let people play the game when you've been, you know, cheating this entire time. So, hey, yeah, <laughs> I, I wish I had some GameStop stock. I could have gotten in on that class action lawsuit <laughs> too. <laughs> oh well, next time, uh, next time a, a company goes under, like maybe I should buy some Toys R Us stock. See, see how that does. <laughs> <laughs> get get EB games while you're at it. Yeah, yeah there you, you go. Know, some blockbuster <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> while you read your subscription to Electronic Gaming Monthly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, are we ready to go into the news? Sure. Let's do it. This is from who is this from? This was an email from I am the Rampage. Uh, who keeps us stocked up on on uh, news every week, and thank him for that. Uh, this is from VideoGamesChronicle.com, and I heard about this the other day, too. Sources, Capcom has overhauled its plans for a Resident Evil 4 remake. Uh, Division 1 brought in as newcomer M2C's role reduced, sources indicate. Um, new studio M2 has seen its role significantly reduced on the unannounced project, Sources told VGC and mainline Resident Evil studio Capcom Division 1 has been brought in to lead a new direction. Um, at first reported by VGC last year, the Resident Evil 4 remake has been in development since 2018. Led by Osaka-based M2, the studio founded by former Platinum Games head Tatsuya Minami. Little has been shared publicly about M2, but people with knowledge of the company said it was partly funded by Capcom and comprised of former Platinum Games employees, including developers from the Metal Gear Rising and Bayonetta 2 teams. Um, the company contributed to the development of 2020's RE3 make, remake, um, with Minami taking on an executive producer role, but the startup's main purpose was always to lead the next bigger remake, Resident Evil 4. Uh, let's see. It is believed that disagreements... Um, between M2's reduced um, 
that it, it was some disagreements internally that read to M2's reduced role involved in the studio's desire to stick faithfully to the template of the original Resident Evil, um, partly influenced by backlash to the RE3's remake, um, which did not include significant portions of the original PlayStation game, much to fans' disappointment. Capcom's team said it would prefer a different direction, which would see the remake inspired by the original, but with its own unique unique take on features. Um, personally, I just played Resident Evil 3, and I'm going to be reviewing it next week. And I'll be honest, I never played Nemesis, the original Resident Evil Part 3, for uh, I think it was PlayStation 2 that it came out for. Uh, what's up, Rampage? There he is in the chat room there, talking about your stories now, buddy. And um, I personally, I, I like Resident Evil 3. I never played the original, but I did really enjoy the Resident Evil 2 remake. I don't think it, I think it kept the spirit and the feel of the original while keeping a lot of what it was in the original game, but adding a lot too. Um, and I really, I don't know. I, I kind of was expecting the same thing for Resident Evil 4 with what they did to Resident Evil 2. Yeah, and I'll I'll be completely honest. I'm not nearly as familiar with Resident Evil as you are. I've dabbled in, I think, the original whenever it was remade for the GameCube. Because I know everyone made a huge deal about the fact that Nintendo got a Resident Evil game. So I had briefly dabbled into it. But Resident Evil is something that is, I won't say completely lost on me, but I, I don't know a ton about it other than the basics. What about you, Nate? You, are you familiar with the Resident Evil uh, yeah, franchise? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I played one and two back in the day when they were brand new. One, like the first one, was amazing, an amazing experience. Um, never played three or four, but I did play zero on the GameCube as well. But I will say that four being remade. I mean, I can totally get the other ones, but four is probably it's kind of an interesting one to remake because it doesn't look all that old anymore. Yeah. I mean, you know, it kind of has survived time a little bit better some of the, mm-hmm. than some of the other ones, but um, it definitely sounds like uh, Capcom wasn't happy with whatever direction they were going with. So, Yeah, I know. actually, I played 4 on, I had 4 and played it all the way through on the GameCube when it first came out. Mm-hmm. And um, it was one of those games that just kind of, took what was already good about Resident Evil and just made it so much better. Of course, they fixed the camera angles. They put, you know, the third-person view. And like you said, the the graphics were great. All they really needed to do was just kind of just remaster it. Um, But what I was kind of hoping they were going to do is not only keep that original stuff from the original game, but just add more, kind of like they did with Resident Evil 2. Um, I don't really know if... I mean, there's a difference between a remake and a remaster. I understand that. And I realize that if you're going to remake something, you kind of want to keep the spirit of the original, but kind of make a, a new vision for it. But the, like, like you said, the game was so good to begin with. I don't really know why they wouldn't just do you know, a, a remaster slash remake where they just remaster everything, but just add new things to it. Yeah, and I think I think it's just the whole remake, remaster area now is just such a sticky area. So I'm sure they're just trying to really tread carefully here with things like final fantasy seven remake kind of getting a lot of backlash not being that great of a remake and i'm sure everyone doing these is just trying their best to just really maximize whatever they're going to do not to like upset upset the hardcore fans and still introduce it to some new fans you know so and like you said i think it's going to be a lot harder from now on too when you're doing these remasters and remakes of games that came out you know, within the last 15 to 16 years, because you look at games from like the late nineties, early two thousands that jump from like, I'd say the, the PS one to the PS two, that graphical leap was so huge that you can go back and play games from the GameCube PlayStation two era that look great. And all they really need to do is just, you know, remaster it and just bump up the resolution because those games looked that like that leap was so huge at that time that it's just going to get in a weird territory when you're remaking or remastering games that still relatively kind of new in that respect. Definitely. Makes you wonder if there's going to be an oversaturation of those. I think so. I, you know, resident evil two did so well that I think, it's one of those things like we're just going to get a glut of them. But honestly, I mean, we've talked about it. There's a lot of games for Nintendo that I want to see remade. 
especially from that games we loved from that Nintendo 64 era that really look awful, but the gameplay was great. Like that's that's the stuff I want to see getting remade at this point. I still yeah. say if they remake Ocarina of Time, yeah, make Nintendo a ton of money. Oh, you yeah. know, I mean, we have the Zelda 35th year or 35th yeah. anniversary coming up next year, so who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> I don't know. They they have the chance to do some really cool stuff with it. I just yep. hope they actually do it. Yeah. Let's see. Our next story comes to us from IGN.com. Vicarious Visions reportedly brought in to Blizzard to work on Diablo 2 Remake. Yeah, it's another um, remake. <laughs> yep. Speaking of remakes, which, uh, it, funny enough, they actually uh, remade the uh, the Crash Bandicoot uh, Insane Trilogy. Mm, and I okay. believe also the, the Tony Hawk uh, Pro Skater. Uh, uh, they did. Well. They did do good jobs with those. So this yeah. is a good sign. So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Following the news that Vicarious Visions has been has been merged into Blizzard Entertainment, a new report says that the studio was brought into Blizzard to work on the Diablo franchise, including a planned remake of Diablo 2. As reported by Bloomberg, Vicarious Visions, the studio behind such games as Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two, and Crash Bandicoot's Insane Trilogy, has been working with Blizzard since last year. Even though the announcement of its merger was only made on January 22nd. Up until 2020, the Diablo 2 re remake was set to be developed by Blizzard's Team 1, which is located at its Irvine, California campus and was the go-to group for re reworking classic games. Its latest title, Warcraft 3 Reforged, was not received positively and currently has a 59 on review aggregate site Metacritic, which also happens to be Blizzard's lowest score to date. Uh, IGN gave it a 7 out of 10, saying it is an uninspiring remaster, but Warcraft 3 itself is still a great game nearly two decades later. Yeah. So what do you guys think? I, I know there are a lot of diehard Diablo fans out there, and I remember hearing a lot about Diablo when it came out back in the day. Honestly, I think um, Diablo 3 is probably one of the best games of the last of the teens, uh, the last decade. Uh, I love Re uh, Diablo 3, and of course, I've told the story a hundred times here on the show about I never got to f officially finish <laughs> Diablo 2 because of uh, my girlfriend broke up with me, and it was her computer, but uh, so th <laughs> oh, there's a computer in some landfill right now with my Diablo 2 game still on it, <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to Diablo 2, honestly, I, and speaking of Warcraft 3... Man, that thing was a turd on launch. Like, I heard nothing but bad things about that relaunch. So, bringing in Vicarious Visions is, is a really good idea because they do have a pedigree of doing good work. And I'm excited for it. I'll play the hell out of some Diablo 2 remaster. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very smart of them to bring in somebody who's got a track record with remakes versus trying to do it in-house, mm -hmm. which sounds like what they did with Warcraft 3. I think what's going to be interesting, though, is to see what they do with it. Because, I mean, uh, I, Diablo 2, I played a fair bit back in the day, and it's a really good game, like tons of fun to play. Yeah. Um, but there's been a lot of games in that genre to come out since then that, like, do it, and I would maybe even argue do it better than yeah. Diablo 2. Um, games like Path of Exile, um, and I think there's some other ones, too, that are pretty good. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with this where the, yeah. you know are they going to are they going to really expand it out and like bring in some more elements to kind of compete with these newer games that are doing kind of the same thing or are they still are they going to stick with keeping it fairly you know to the original game or you know yeah yeah uh, i like you know i really i think if they um as long as they sort of bring it out and um sort of be in the the vein of of Diablo 3 like the way Diablo 3 plays um the way it looks and, and, and you know Diablo 3's uh, it came out what like 2012 and it still holds up as far as graphics and and gameplay go like that game is just it's it's going to hold up for for decades like that game is so good so if they just make it look like Diablo 3 and kind of have that season thing that they do, uh, which I've done a couple of times where you go in each season and you try to get your character 
you know, as high as you can get, get as much loot and money as you can get. Like that stuff's kind of fun. If they do that with with Diablo two, and and like you said, expand it out, give it some more more areas to explore, more dungeons. I'm I'll I'm completely down for that. Sign me up. Yeah, I'd be interested in trying it out. I think I really do think you should try out Diablo three if you've never played it, um, because you can get it on the Switch too. And from what I hear, the Switch ports great and you can get it on ps ps i think it came out on ps3 but you can get it for ps4 too um but it's great i love diablo 3 i played it all the way through twice with two different characters that came so good i should still have some credit for that gift card i got for christmas oh yeah do that you i think you'll like it a lot especially I'll, i'll i'll check it out because you love the original like the Diablo games are a direct descendant of like the original Zelda games, like Link to the Past and the original Legend of Zelda. Like that's a, there's a direct lineage there, and I think you'll get that when you play the game. So I'll take your word it. for it. Uh, for our last story, this is from Axblado Seven um, ReviewGeek.com. Plex's new arcade feature brings retro games to your media center. I saw this pop up on uh, Twitter the other day. Plex is already one of the best options to host your digital copies of movies, TV shows, music, and even photos, but it's picked up a new trick, gaming. You can now subscribe to the Plex Arcade service, which nets you 30 arcade Atari games and the ability to add your own game ROMs and emulators to stream anywhere. Um, Plex has been considering getting into the game streaming for years. It already has the necessary underlying technology down thanks to its existing media streaming efforts. But unlike movies and shows, latency matters when it comes to game streaming. To help with that, Plex partnered with Parsec, a company known for its low-latency streaming technology, and um, Han Solo uh, did the Kessel Run in less than 12 of those. Um, (laughs) (laughs) With a Plex Arcade subscription, you'll get immediate access to 30 classic games, including Avalanche, Centipede, Lunar Lander, and more. Plex worked with Atari to ensure the games are fully licensed and legal for you to use. But if you prefer your own games, you can add your ROM collection and emulators to the list. I am so on board for this. I already use Plex myself, and um, I have a lot of game ROMs. I'm just wondering, what can you use as far as like a controller or whatever? That was going to be my question is what type of controller can you use? But I mean, I, I love the, the idea of this. I love the sound of it. I'm, I'm with you. I'm all on board. Yeah, I, I use Plex here too for our movies. We have a ton of movies on there and uh, it's very convenient and it would be really cool to be able to use this to get my game collection on my TVs. But yeah, yeah I'm curious um, what kind of what kind of compatibility it has. Like, because we use... One of our TVs, we use a Roku uh, Roku interface. I don't know if this is compatible with that. or Here, go. Uh, um, just... here, it, here it is right here. It says, um, while you can use a mouse and keyboard, you're better off pairing up with a Bluetooth controller like an Xbox or PlayStation controller. For now, due to Parsec's requirements, you'll need to run your media streaming server on a PC or Mac OS device, which means it won't work on Linux, not NAS devices, or NVIDIA Shield-powered servers. You can stream gameplay to Android, mobile, and TV, iOS, tvOS, and the Chrome web browser. So you'll have to use your either your PC or your Mac to be able to do this, which is which pretty much just like Steam. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. I, I like, like it. this a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna have to see if uh, look for some reviews out there, see how it's working. Because yeah, I mean, having to pay a little bit of money uh, if it works well though is probably worth it. Because like yeah. I said, I have I have Plex running and I have it running on all my TVs. So if I can just you know pair up a controller on each screen and have my games in every room and not have to worry about moving stuff around, that's pretty awesome. You know, and this would be a cool thing uh, for them not only to use Atari but go to other. Um, services, uh, game, you know, game developers from back in the day, like they could go to Nintendo and have Nintendo games. Like this would be the perfect platform for Nintendo to use to get their old stuff on to for people to be able to play. Because and right now it's two ninety nine a month for Plex Pass subscribers and four ninety nine for everyone else. So five bucks. Um, and it, it has a seven day trial too, so you can actually go try it for seven days if you have a, a Plex or um. Uh, a subscription to Plex. 
You say Nintendo should do it, they which won't. is why they won't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like money. What I mean, I don't know what it is with them. I think we they just have, have to too much money. money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. They have too much money. They don't care. Yeah. Like, here's your crumbs, gamer boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that brings us to, we're not going to do um, this month in video game history, but Derek would like to do some shout outs before we go into our round table this evening. Yes, as always, we like to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, the ones who keep the lights on here at the show. And because you have kept us at the $50 level, we will continue to do fun commentary tracks. So we did this a past good week, one this month. Oh, that yes, was so we did. Fun. <laughs> we did an episode of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, as well as the Sonic X anime. Which uh, I believe that was the first time you had ever seen that, right, Jason? Yeah, and we coined the term uncomfortably sexy. <laughs> <laughs> just, just watch the episode and you'll, you'll know you'll, why. As soon as you see it, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> yeah, made me feel some kind of way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so if you're a Patreon subscriber, you could check those out. Uh, we want to shout out Armes Jackson, Xblade 07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Randy Bailey, Tyler Watson, Justin Olson, Brandon Rutledge, and our newest patron member, Donner Party of Five. Woo! So welcome to the Patreon family. And also, uh, you guys are responsible for the roundtable that we're having tonight because you guys voted on it. There is a poll currently up for the February roundtable. Uh, it closes at the end of the month, so if you have it, be sure to get your vote in. I believe it's really close right now between Donkey Kong and Star Fox mm. for the next discussion. So, going to be an interesting one. So, if you want to be a part of our Patreon family, head on over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And tonight we're talking about... Metroid franchise. They are games that are a series of video games produced by Nintendo, one of the company's most successful franchises. The series popularity spans several Nintendo consoles, with the very first game, Metroid, released in 1986 for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, we chronicle the missions of bounty hunter Samus Aran in a science fiction setting which contains many similarities to the Alien film franchise. Uh, the central plot elements are the Metroid organisms and the space pirates which try to exploit the Metroid's powers. Um, I first played... Uh, actually, Metroid was one of the first games I ever bought with my own money for the Nintendo. I remember putting it on... Uh, I put it on layaway at Kmart when I was a kid <laughs> and uh, saved my money cutting grass and whatever. Uh, and And I went and got it and... It was so different than anything I'd ever played at that point. Like, you know, I played the Nintendo. I loved it. I had, I had the, of course, I had Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. Um, I'd played other games like uh, Kung Fu, um, things of that nature. Um, but I never in my life played anything like Metroid to that point. I mean, from the very beginning, you turn that game on and it's instantly you feel different playing that game. That The music, the 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 eeriness of it and then you get in and it's not a side scroller or you know you're not trying to get points or anything like it's a complete open world and you're just by yourself on this lonely planet trying to survive and I have loved the Metroid franchise ever since First of all, I'd like to point out that this is the 35-year anniversary of the franchise, which is crazy to think that it's, that it's been around that long. <laughs> but I, I never played the original Metroid until much later because when I was a kid, I never owned the NES. The only time I would ever play it is if I went over to my aunt's house, and she only had the Mario-Duck Hunt combo and Legend of Zelda. So those were really my only options. But... I can remember the very first time I ever saw Super Metroid, 
And I, I've mentioned my uncle many times on on the show that he was responsible for me being introduced to a lot of fandoms that I've carried with me throughout my life. And I one of my favorite things to do was watch him play video games and then eventually try to mimic him and usually not nearly as successful. But um, I remember I, if I were at his old house, I could tell you the exact spot that I was sitting when I watched him play Super Metroid for the first time. And just I remember vividly he beat the game and I'm sure you guys remember when you have to escape the planet before it explodes. And I, I remember like that experience and like just feeling the, the anxiety of, Oh my God, is he going to make it out alive? And I played it soon after. And I've been, I've been a fan ever since. What about you, Nate? What was your first experience? Well, I go back I go back to the beginning. Um, I got my Nintendo probably is either 87 or 88. Um, my older cousin, he had a bunch of games, one of which was Metroid, and he was kind enough to let me borrow it for a month or two. And I remember not knowing what it was. I don't, I don't even think I had the instruction manual. And um, I remember the feeling of just being like lost in this alien world. And um in a good way though and i remember drawing maps and i remember um i think there may have been an issue of nintendo power at some point that might have had some of the maps in it yeah i think I can't... it was either the first issue or the second issue had a yeah yeah map. but I, I don't know that it was the whole game though I, I could be wrong about that but i i remember having to draw some maps out and it was i remember it being quite the adventure and um it kind of up until that point i don't think like you said you hadn't played anything like this before. Mm-hmm. I mean, Legend of Zelda kind of touches on that, you know, that open world kind of um, searching around. But really, in the platformer genre, there's nothing was nothing like it yeah. up until this point. You know, where you had such a you had no direction given. It was just come down that starting elevator and just <laughs> figure it out. There's no yeah. text. There's no you know, hints, there's no signs, there's no guy there handing you a sword saying, take this, you'll need it. You know, there's nothing. It's just you're alone. And I think that's insane. And then pair that with the music and it just became, it's just something amazing, you know? Um, so yeah. And I've loved it ever since. I mean, um, especially the, the 2d Metroids, I haven't been as into the 3d ones. Mm Um, I played the GameCube prime a little bit, but the first one, um, Game Boy, uh, Metroid 2 was a really good game. Mm-hmm. And then Super Metroid's absolutely amazing. One of my, probably one of my top 10 games of all time is Super Metroid. Yeah, so. it's definitely one of the best Super Nintendo games out there uh, for that system. That game is al- still to this day almost absolute perfection. Well, I think I if you were to if you were to own a Super Nintendo and you could only pick, say, five games to have for it, yeah, Super Metroid is absolutely one of those oh, games. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that game had so many of those moments, like you're talking about those just like visceral moments, like you were talking about escaping the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, that that uh, that one I can't remember the name of the boss, but that boss who's in who comes out of the lava at you as a skeleton. Oh yeah, that. I don't know if you can if you remember which one I'm talking about, but mm-hmm. I remember me and my friend were playing that late one night on a sleepover, <laughs> and we thought we beat the boss, and then he comes lurching out of the of the yeah. lava in as a skeleton, <laughs> and it was just like the most like we freaked out. It was amazing. <laughs> I remember so, that the last time I played it, what a few years ago for our Metroid month, and um, I, I wasn't streaming it at the time, but I was playing it, and um, I I had totally forgotten about that part. Well, about he, t- he turns into the skeleton. I was like, oh, it's like one of the screaming moments where you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> and that's the cool thing about Metroid. Like like you said, the, the escape of the planet at the end is one of the most heart-pounding, hand-sweating moments of your life. When, when you're a kid and you get to that point, you're like, holy shit, I just beat the mother brain. And then you have to escape the planet. And you're like, you got these little bitty platforms you got to jump on. And there's like, there's this timer and it's like, everything's going to crap. And you're just like, oh my, by the time you're done, you like, you need a nap for like a day and a half because you've just expended all of your 
uh, adrenaline <laughs> within that last like 10 minutes. Uh, it reminds me of, you know, that scene in Step Brothers when Will Ferrell's laying on the couch and he's all sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you are after playing Super yeah. Metroid. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was such a cool game because it's one of the first games that really has sort of RPG elements that we talk mm-hmm. about today where you go through the game and you get upgrades to your person. Like you get stronger weapons, you get stronger uh, you know, armor, you get, you know, energy tanks. So, you, you know, you have full whole thing of energy tanks and you go through the game and you're seeing certain things like towards the beginning of the game, there's a part where you see you, there's like an inner, you, there's an energy tank up in the top and you're like, how the hell am I supposed to get that? And you find out that it's not until way later in the game, you get the, the ice beam you can come back and and get that. So there's a lot of like backtracking in the game. As big as that game is, there's a lot of backtracking. But even still, with all the backtracking, it's still almost impossible to memorize where you're going or where you've been. It's just you have to have like some sort of a map <laughs> to to be able to go by. Yep. Yeah, and that's an interesting distinction you're making about the RPG elements because largely, like games platformers up until this point, there might have been some other ones. Um, there's I don't want to discount any other game that had it, but a lot of them, the power ups you get were like limited time. You know, Mario, you get the star and it lasts for you know 20 seconds or whatever. Um, you might get a fire flower that you lose, but like building your character uh, over the length of the entire game is actually pretty new at that point which is um it's normal now you don't think about it but back then that was pretty pretty groundbreaking in my opinion so yeah and also it's not one of those games even you know back then even games like you know super mario brothers you could if you knew what you were doing you could beat that game in an hour or two most games you could beat in a couple of hours other than like legend of zelda even if you knew what you're doing it would probably take 10 12 hours to finish that game but when it came to metroid it was like that game took me probably two years to to finally beat that game without using any cheat codes like the justin bailey code like to legitimately go through that entire game and beat it probably took about two years but i'm sure it felt gratifying when you did beat it though oh god yeah yeah And of course, well, I'll be honest, I've, I've never beat it before. I've gotten all the way to Mother Brain, and I think I've given up at Mother Brain. So. <laughs> well, I had a little notebook, too, when I was a kid that I kept all the... Uh, every time I got a little bit further in the game, I would write down the, the, that awful, awful uh, passcode to be able to go back to where you were. And oh, I wish that game would have had a battery backup system. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, very <laughs> envious of the Japanese audience. They had the disk system yeah. version, which did save it. had three save spots in it. So oh. that would have been a handy a handy feature. So Yeah, because even if you knew what you... I, I've watched some people play that game on Twitch, like Arcus has played it. Um, a lot of games gamers were playing it back when they were uh, preparing for the, the Big 20 last summer. And... Even just to get one third through the game would take him like, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. Like, so if you're, even if you know what you're doing, it still takes, would probably take you a good six hours to finish that game, probably all the way through. Like, it's crazy to not have a battery backup on that game. (laughs) Like, that, and that password system was just ridiculous for that game. Yeah. 24 letter codes. So. <laughs> Ugh, hated it. Huge fan of the passcode system here on the Nerd Cave Retro Show. But um, <laughs> you guys both played, and Derek, you uh, reviewed it, Metroid 2 for the show. I still mm-hmm. have never played Metroid 2 for, for the Game Boy. It's really good. And I, I feel like, honestly, this and as well as Metroid Fusion for Game Boy Advance are two of the most underrated entries in the entire franchise, in my opinion. I don't know if you've ever played Metroid Fusion, because I know I did that too when we did Metroid Mm -hmm. Month, but if it's not Super Metroid, I think Metroid Fusion 
Well, I'd say Super Metroid would be number one, but Metroid Fusion would be uh, a close second in my ranking of the games. But I, I really liked Return of Samus as well. Yeah, Metroid 2 is really good. I played it a lot. Um, my only gripe with that one was when you actually played it on a, a real Game Boy, it was actually really hard to see. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't until I got my Super Game Boy that I really dug into that one as a kid. Yeah. That invention and, was so great. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's it's a really good game and I think I think it got overlooked because of honestly, like I just remember looking at that pea green screen and it's yeah. so blurry and the action's really fast in it, and I think even the refresh rate on the original Game Boy wasn't that great. So it just ended up being kind of this blurry mess and um, I think it took a lot away from something that was like really good under the under the hood there. Um, I, I I do have a Retron Five now, which is pretty cool, so I can hook up my uh, original Game Boy games and play them on TV, and that, it's a good game to go back to. So that's cool. I want to get one yeah. of those Retron Fives. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like the handheld versions of Metroid kind of got overlooked. And I feel like a lot of other handheld entries do. Like, you look at Link's Awakening, for example. It's, to me, one of the better Zelda games that was ever made. And it didn't really get that much attention because it was on the Game Boy and it had to follow Link to the Past. Yeah. Uh, and uh, honestly, I, I think, you know, Link's Awakening is one of the best games I've played for uh, on the Switch as far as, like, that for that you know that peripheral like that the way to play that game on a handheld because it looked so good it played great i think that you know the uh, i personally wish that they would go remake those games that didn't really get the attention that they deserved that came out for the game boy like the bigger games like like metroid 2 and return of samus and i wish that they would really do a remake of those for uh, as a switch or even the next switch system that comes out the pro or whatever i would well, they I would did definitely play them they did uh do a remake of metroid 2 for the 3ds it was called samus returns uh, okay yeah i know um, it, it was though. it was yeah no it was i i didn't play the i didn't play the remake unfortunately but i, I heard good things yeah it's, it's supposed to be a good one i didn't play it either but i think they did change up a a fair bit of the gameplay not not probably in a bad way but they definitely i think they expanded upon um the game the gameplay and how you control samus and uh from the original um so it's probably a little bit different than you remember metroid 2 unlike like links links awakening where that game is i'd say it's nearly exactly the same in terms of gameplay it just looks way better which Yeah. yeah I really appreciate that they didn't go and mess with the gameplay on that. Um, and other, they've done other remakes with the Metroid franchise too. I mean, you have Metroid, uh, is it, I think it's Zero, um, zero Hour? I, I can't think of it right now. I think it's, it might be Zero Mission. Zero Mission, yeah, that's it. So that's a remake of the first one. So, um, and I think there's, there's some changes to it, but I think by and large, it's, it's a pretty f- relatively faithful remake of the original nes game but i think they add in some features like a mapping system and whatnot that you would find on um super metroid so there's some options there for kind of revisiting some of these older games um but not really having to suffer through some of those quality of life things that um make some of these i mean the original metroid's awesome and i love it but it is hard to go back to it and not have like a guide or a map and um and really get through it so there's options out there. So yeah, when I did it for um, for our Metroid month, um, I really I used a walkthrough. That's the mm-hmm. only way to get through that game these days. Um, unless you're playing it, you know, you have an emulator or whatever. And and I think it's it's on the uh, the Nintendo Switch NES shop, um, which is good because you can make save states and all that stuff. But back in the day, we didn't have that stuff. It's like you had to you had to play it all the way through or you had to get good at at writing down your uh your passcodes <laughs> because 
We didn't have cell phones to just like quick a little, you know, quick little snapshot or whatever. <laughs> I also had a lot more time back then too. So. <laughs> yeah, you had a whole summer to <laughs> yeah. try to beat whatever game you got for your birthday or whatever. Yep. <laughs> Those were simpler times. Yeah, but then of course we get to the the Super Nintendo with Super Metroid, and I said it before, I'll say it again. One of the greatest. Super Nintendo, one of the Super Nintendo games, one of the greatest games ever made. It it still holds up, looks great, plays great, sounds great. I mean, even I took the music from Super Metroid to play before we came into the segment here. I'm in. I have been in love with that game for thirty years now. I'll I I just love it. Yeah, I mean, I I can't think of anything that you know we haven't already said. It's in that upper elite tier of Super Nintendo games that you have to have, like it's up there with Super Mario World with Link to the Past. It's it's in that top three to top five. Yeah. And even farther than that, one of the best video games ever made, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it, it doesn't get much better. I think that's my, for me, that's where Metroid really um, topped out and kind of its pinnacle, in my opinion, in yeah. terms of just, like, perfection. Um, things that have come after it, I think, have been good, but I think there's been... I don't think anything has quite reached that same level of just across-the-board perfection, yeah. music, visuals, gameplay, controls. Everything about it is just really well done, and it. Um, I don't know if they'll ever quite get back to that with Metroid, but I, I'm hoping so. So. Well, uh, I mean, you touched on it too. Uh, you know, I like the Metroid. I, I only played the first Metroid Prime game. Mm-hmm. I never played two and three. Uh, I never played uh, other M for uh, the Wii, but I played the original Metroid Prime, and I, I loved it back in the day. You know, I, I had a friend of mine. We we played it at around 2010. He at his apartment just play play the hell out of it. And um, as I do like the first person sort of feel that it had and i i would love to have another metroid prime style first person shooter but if in all honesty i really wish they would do another side scrolling metroid adventure and with today's graphics you know like really beefed up graphics great soundtrack just give me hours of exploration and you know, something that I can play on the Switch and just kind of chill out and and play and not have to have like, you know, really like like that first person sort of twitchiness, you know, of trying to shoot things. Like just, I just want a good side-scrolling like puzzle adventure game. Like that's that's what I want them to get back to. Well, and the cool thing about when Metroid Prime came out is because Fusion came out right around the same time so you got mm-hmm. both like if you wanted the old school side scrolling metroid then you could play fusion or if you wanted the new experience you could play metroid prime yeah i i know a lot of people were not happy with the decision to make metroid a first person shooter but i i'm a huge fan of the original metroid prime game and i know it's a game that we still have yet to review on the show and I I remember playing it for the first time and I was like I I felt I still felt like I was back in that world even though yeah. gameplay was a bit different. It still felt like a Metroid game to me personally. I'm with you. I was just playing it actually maybe a month ago so I fire, fired up the GameCube and threw it in and it's it is despite what I said about the Super Metroid being like my favorite um, Met- Metroid Prime is a really, really well done game, and they did a lot with the first person mechanics to make it not so, um, not as hard as like other first person games at the time. The controls they they gave you they do give you a lot of favors like with yeah. like auto aiming and stuff that actually work really well and make it make that transition to 3D not so rough for you. Um, but it's still. It, and it, it looks amazing. Even now, like I, I don't even know how old that is. It was that two thousand one that it came out. Uh, let me see when Metroid Prime came out. That came uh, two thousand two, I think. Okay, 
Yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah. say, when it came out, um, you know, I had gone from the Nintendo 64 to the Xbox, and then around 2002 is when I got my GameCube. So I was fresh off of playing Halo when I, when I got the, the GameCube and got Metroid Prime. So it was like I was in that mode of like I wanted more first person shooter content like that and it, and that was like the perfect transition to go from Halo to Metroid Prime because it was almost like kind of like the same sort of feel you know like the same I don't want to say the same universe but you're it's kind of you know cool space shooter to the next space shooter and it was like it was kind of a good nice transition so that I think that's really why I like Prime so much because I was I was pun intended I was primed up for it when it came out <laughs> yeah and it, it still holds up like it's 18 years old 19 years old now it's um but still other than the resolution you know obviously GameCube re- resolution is pretty small now but yeah. it still looks really good the atmosphere is just like the other other games in the in the and uh, en- other entries in the franchise where they like get this this atmosphere going with the music and the visuals that is not like anything else and um, it's definitely worth checking out. I'd love to see a remake on that one just to get yeah. the resolution popped out a little bit so it's not so blurry, but well, it's, a, it's a good hoping, game. I was hoping they would do that for the 35th anniversary this year. Give us a good remake of the Metroid Prime trilogy for, for the Switch because that would be the perfect 35th anniversary thing to drop on us while we're waiting for a, a, a new Metroid game. At least give us At least give us a remake of something. It's crazy because I know, Jason, you and I have alluded to this a bit on the show. Like, you know, Metroid's been around forever, but I feel like it still doesn't get quite the attention that it should. When yeah. you, you think of Mario, you think, or you think of Nintendo, you think of Mario, you think of Zelda. Metroid's been around just as long. Yeah. But it just, se- it just seems like it gets neglected. Sometimes. You can definitely tell why. that Nintendo has some has some children that they don't quite like as much, <laughs> you know, like, cause you know, Mario gets all the loves, uh, Link and Zelda get all the love. And then you kind of got the, the kids that don't really get a whole, the middle kids who don't get a whole lot of attention, like, uh, <laughs> Metroid and, you know, F zero. And then you got yep, the yep. redheaded stepchildren that they just completely ignore like star tropics <laughs> and, and kid Icarus and like all yeah, those yeah. kind of games. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. They definitely they seem to give Metroid somewhere in the middle there. They don't Yeah. It's not quite as, as top tier, but they, I mean um it it has they they've kept it going though. I think the thing that I'm realizing as we're talking about it and I'm kinda looking through here is that they they once we got to GameCube, they kept all the two dimensional Metroids as portable games, which I think is probably where I missed them because I don't do a ton of portable yeah. gaming. After the Game Boy, I didn't really keep going and getting a ton of um, portable things, so that's probably where I've missed it. But it would be nice to have a way to kind of play some of those again um, to catch up on those. Yeah, so. I'm I'm the exact same way. I I didn't really do anything portable until the Switch came along, and now I'm like, okay, I want to go back and play all this stuff that you guys had that I never played because I didn't have a 3DS or a 2DS or, or any of those. I didn't have, I didn't have, I had original Game Boy. I never got a Game Boy Color, never had a Game Boy Advance. And now I'm like, man, there's all this content for the last 30 years that I missed because <laughs> I didn't play mobile games. Yep. Yeah. The, the portable games were fun. Like I said before, they didn't get quite the attention that they're, console counterparts would but there there was some good stuff on the on the portable front yeah uh and another thing too i wanted to just bring up is you know with the success of castlevania anime on netflix metroid seems like it would fit right in that slot man just that you have a you could have a cool anime set in that metroid universe that would that would be great and and like that same sort of anime that that the the met the Castlevania is like it would fit perfectly 
I would say that or a live action film similar to the Alien franchise. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. I think it's. But, I think it's a, a franchise that would be perfect for any of those. Any of those areas. You know. Obviously, we're kind of in that age of um, getting things like the Mandalorian and stuff, where we get you know episodic material. So, I would ultimately love it to be that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a movie. I mean, that would be. It would be so good. There's so much to dig into there for story, and I mean. You know, there'd be maybe some parallels drawn to Alien, but I, I think they, I think that it's, it's got its own enough of its own personality to be its own thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And even if it was the anime, though, like I'm with you with that. That would be amazing too, because it's just a really interesting story. And if there would be another way for them to tell it, another medium to tell it, as long as they don't tap into the mother brain from Captain N, yeah. I'm good. So. <laughs> uh... Well, I was just, you just made me think about something <laughs> would be awesome because you, you brought up the, uh, the Mandalorian because in Super Metroid, the story was there's a baby Metroid that thinks Samus is its mother and then ends up, you know, saving the day in the end. Like we could have the baby Metroid, baby Yoda sort of thing going on where you got this cute little ugly Metroid that thinks Samus is its mom <laughs> and she has to protect it from all these different bounty hunters like that would be that would be pretty fun fun to watch i think it sounds perfect <laughs> yeah where's our so movie many, chick <laughs> so many great gifts waiting to happen <laughs> i'm looking up uh speed runs right now just this uh uh okay here we go here's the speedrun.com number 1 for uh, this is regular yeah uh, nine minutes, twenty-five seconds, thirty-three milliseconds. Yesterday, with well, the speed, the world record was broken for oh. Metroid speed. Holy crap! How the hell do you do Metroid in nine minutes and twenty-five seconds? It's got to be some hacks, right? Not like not hacks like uh, cheat codes, but like you know, are you level hacks? Are they just know? going straight for the mother brain and and just passing up Ridley and? And uh, what was the other boss? Crade. Uh, Crade. Yeah, they just passing yeah. up the bosses and just going uh, straight to Mother Brain. They'd have to be. I I'm, I have to go watch this now because this sounds really interesting. <laughs> oh, I was looking. No, the fourth place almost had me thinking it was you there for a second, Nate, because it's <laughs> no, uh, no. it's Retro Gaming twenty eighty four. I was like, if that would have said Dev, I'd have been like, what are you not telling us, Nate? <laughs> yeah, right. No, Hold no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking at sales figures here, though, for the the Metroid franchise. They've had seventeen point four four million copies of games sold in the franchise, which is wow. pretty pretty good. Um, it looks like the GBA re-release might have the highest sales of all of them, um, even though it doesn't necessarily look like it has the best scores. But yeah. Um, what was the nearly original? three million copies sold? So yeah, original Metroid sold two point seven three million copies. Honestly, I thought it was more than that. You'd think it would be, but you know, I guess it's from from so long ago that yeah, uh, there was less of a gaming market then. So because everybody I knew that had a Nintendo had it, <laughs> and plus, I I really don't think they kept up with all that that um, that back then too. I think it's really hard to find out exactly what the sales numbers were on games back in the 80s, early 90s. Yeah. It's hard to even get like exact release dates too because nothing had a hard release date. It was just sort of like things were just rolled out, you know, in a, uh, over a couple of months. Yeah, like Order whenever four, Kmart brought it out from the back room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say, Quarter Derek? Four, 19... Quarter four, nineteen ninety-five. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Now, that's really where my knowledge of Metroid ends is the Prime trilogy because everything after that, I never really played because I, I as much as I wanted to play Metroid Other M for the the Wii, I never got it, and um, there really hasn't been anything since that. Which is yeah, that's that's kind of where my experience ends too. I have a copy of Other M, 
Um, it's still in the shrink wrap. I need to pop it open really? someday and try it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, the whole, the Wii thing, you know, for a while I was into it. I, I'm just not as into the motion controls anymore. Um, yeah. so I'm just, I'm, I'm prepared to like hate it because, you know, <laughs> who wants to be waggling a Wii mode around when I can just use a controller, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so get this other M came out in the United States, August 31st of 2010. So it's been 11 years since we've had a Metroid game. Yep. Is that the last one? Wow. There's been nothing since. Other than, you know, Metroid, Super Metroid and original Metroid dropping on Switch, Super Nintendo and Nintendo uh, Store. Other than that, nothing. Hmm. Well, hopefully they get uh, Metroid Prime, Prime 4 figured out and we get to have that before the end of this decade. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> honestly, crossed. as much as I'm ready for that game to come out, they need to do put out something, and this is the 35th anniversary, so if they don't do anything this year, I'm going to be so disappointed in, in Nintendo, because this is one of, your, one of your original big flagship franchises, like, give it some, give it a little bit of attention, Nintendo, come on, man. We're no, only going to be here for so long buying yeah. games. You know, there's going to be a point where we're going to be so old we don't care about it, and nobody else is going to care about it. So. Yeah, cash in now. <laughs> so maybe they'll do something this year for the 35th anniversary. We can just cross our fingers and hope. And uh, you know, it's going to be a while before we get uh, a new Metroid Prime. So maybe they'll maybe they'll put out another trilogy of games like they did for the the Mario stuff last year. Maybe we'll get like. You know, the Metroid Prime trilogy or hell, even, I don't know. Like, just give us something, anything. Just let us know that you are you still care about Samus because we do. We care about Samus and her adventures. Speaking of that, what did you think before we leave? What were your, do you remember the first time you found out that Samus was, was a woman? Uh, wow. That's a good question. I was, uh, I think I found out when I was in grade school or in maybe middle school. I'd have to look, I'd have to think back. Um, I mean, I, I think I played the game when I was like nine or 10 years old. So um, I, I, I don't think it was a big deal to me. Like I, I, it wasn't shocking to me. I don't, I don't remember ever being shocked by it, but I do recognize now looking back how significant it is. You know, mm-hmm. um, girls in games back then were princesses or queens, you know, that needed rescuing. And um, she was not. She she kind of took care of business herself. So, yeah, and I'm Good. always seeing online people fighting over like, you know, female protagonists in video games and who, who was the first and all this stuff. And Samus never comes up and it bugs me. I'm like, she was the first, like the first hero in a, a video game that you play and nobody remembers that. Like, I, like, I just feel like people just like Metroid's just one of those games, just people that just doesn't, that people kind of just don't give enough, enough credit to. Well, hopefully, opinion. hopefully with the release of, if they do a Metroid prime trilogy remaster, that can be the spark of Metroid being relevant again. I hope so. Because I miss Metroid, I miss, I miss playing, you know, in that world, and that that's that's something that is up there with Mario and and Zelda. It's just it's one of those franchises that, you know, it's the original huge franchise for Nintendo, and they just need to give it some love because we still love it and we want it. So give it. Well, to we, us, we, we have all the old games to go play. We'll have to do that for now, I guess. Right? Yeah. So, um, but that's gonna about do it for tonight. Thanks for coming on, Nate. It was a pleasure yeah. having you on. Thanks, again, Nate. Man. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, anything you want to throw out there before we leave tonight, where everybody can find your stuff? Uh, just head over to Twitter at Retro Gaming Dev. Um, if you're at all interested in learning about my very slowly developing video game, head over to uh, uh, Patreon.com/slash Retro Gaming Dev. And otherwise, you know, uh, yeah, that's about it. I mean, Twitter. Twitter is where I generally spend most of my time. So. Come and hang out. <laughs> Fantastic. What about you, Derek? What do you got coming up this week? 
Uh, yeah, just as always, check out the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. New episodes drop every Thursday on YouTube and all podcasting platforms. And you can follow the show on social media at D Diamond Podcast. Uh, as far as me, um, just go check out. Uh, we I just got the domain openmikers.com. Uh, that leads you to our Patreon page for the Open Micers podcast. We just talked with uh, Craig Williams uh, earlier today. That's going to be our next episode. So go check out the Open Micers podcast at Open Micers on Twitter. Uh, I think that's going to do it for tonight, guys. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's Sounds good. Get on out of here. Um, if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at, ner- at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond, and at retro gaming dev. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And of course, our Patreon, patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, where you can go throw us a couple bucks a month and keep the lights on, and we do those cool extra episodes where we commentate on either movies or uh, cartoons, all kind of cool stuff from back in the day, and everybody seems to like them. So go give us money, and if you can't, I understand. Leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please, tell them what it's all about. Wow. Master Blaster runs by the town.